0: Here okay, we're starting at the top of Tzad Yamaralaf by the two dots. The Mishnah said for certain materials that are used in dyeing, klipei gozim, rimonim, stis upoa, kideh beged katan. The amount that you need is to dye a small piece of cloth, a small beged, which we saw before is the center of the svacha, of the netting, the hair netting. For shruim, If you take out soaked dyes, In order to die, then you need enough that would present a sample, a dugma, a sample, the ira for the balls of the wolf. That people don't make the effort just to set up a dying mechanism or to put the dying process in motion, just to make a sample. There's a difference between when you're talking about. Making dyes versus when you already have the dye in hand. So if you have the dye in hand, then people might use it for a small sample. But if you're talking about the materials or the raw materials to make a dye or to start the process of dyeing, that you need a larger amount. Nobody's going to start that process unless they have a larger bagged in order to dye. Meraglaim, urine, which was used as a detergent. Tana meraglaim ad memyon till 40 days. For the first 40 days, it still has its Ammonia still strong, and therefore it's good for detergent. After that point in time, it weakens, and it's no longer useful as a detergent. Netter. Tana. Netter Alexandrite. Below netter, Pantrin. So that should be this netter that comes from Alexandria of Mitzrayim. And not the neter, the nature that comes from this place Anpan Train, which was a city established by Herod along the coast. It's a little south of Khizaria, was always classified as the northernmost border of Yehuda at that time. Burit Amr Yehuda, Zechol. Burit is a type of sand. This is lie. So here it says it's a type of sand. It's a difficult Gemara. There is an alternative Girsa in the Gemara because if you remember, we already had a Mishnah that told us how much you need to take out for sand. So here, if you say it's sand, then why do you need to define for us a another measurement of how much sand did you need to bring out? Tosafot raises that possibility, says maybe it's a different type of sand, it's a different nature to this sand, but there is an alternative gear, so that Tosafot does mention that it was, ze, oh hello, this is alo, batanya, then we have a bright aborit vachol, we have a so that seems to indicate that they are two separate things. You have the lie and you have the sin. So what is borit in the end? Kavrita. Kavrita is sulfur. They added on these items that do have Kedushat Shvi'it. So you have... It's not easy to define, but it's so thistles. Or ornethogalum. You have wormwood and you have this borit, which is lion oil, which is aloe. Visa kavrita, if you really think that it is sulfur, kavrita When does sulfur have din of kidushatchvit? Zakal. This is the general principle that we have in the Braita Bashvit, yesh lo Shvit. Anything that roots. And has a stalk, has shvit. Shainloikar, ainlo Something that doesn't root, doesn't have shvit. And sulfur is not coming from a rooted plant. It's not, uh, something that you consider to have shvit. ma So what's the final decision? Borit is alo, that it's alo. Vatanya, don't we have a bright that says vabrit va that we have them being separate, that the lie and the aloe are separate? Shregavniolo, there are two types of aloe. In the end the Gemara says that it's a type of aloe and there are two types of aloe. Kimolia, which was the Simolean earth, which again was a type of cleansing clay. shalof dots. It was known by the more common colloquial Shalof means to take out and dots means to push in. Whatever that means. I don't know if that's how they removed it from the ground. That's how they got it. But that was the more colloquial name for it. Ashley Amar Shmuel. Sheyotinu luchol yama. I asked all the seafarers. What this is? Ramuli. Shun'ana. sheme. That's the name of this item. Umishtakach benukva de Marganita it's found in the hole of the pearl. And you take it out. You have to wedge it out with a metal nail. So it's inside, I guess, the oysters where they find the pearl. There's some sort of liquid alongside of that or white that is alongside of that. There's an alkali that they would use as part of this cleansing process. And that's what is known here as this eshleg. Okay, the next Mishnah. Mishnah is pilpellet. Now this pellet, as Rashi notes... Eno pilpel shalono. It's not of our type of pepper. It's a long pepper, some sort of skinny and long pepper. Vitran, koshehu. Any of those have any amount. Any types of spices, metals, koshehain. Any amount. It comes from the stones of the mizbeh. The dirt of the Mizbeach. Makak Sfarim. The dust of the Sfarim. But this is generated by the parasites that eat the Sfarim. And it generates a dust of sorts. As well as the dust that's generated from the covers of the Sfarim that are decayed or eaten by the worms. Koshu. Again, those are koshu. Not because they are significant in of themselves but because they require and since they require people keep even the smallest amount to put into so they attain a significance because of the necessity to put them into and therefore people will store even the smallest amount of them even if you take out things that are used in the service of also that's even the smallest amount and That you're not allowed to have even the smallest amount left over from the Avodah Zarah. So again, the requirement that you have none to give significance to the amount that you may not have. If that's the case, then whatever you have is significant because you have to get rid of it. You have to dispense of it. Now the Gemara explains. This pilpellet, koshu, what are you going to do with it? This long pepper, if it's the smallest amount, what is it good for it says the for bad breath. You chew on it in order to improve one's bad breath. what is this Ichran smallest amount useful for? What is it really for? Lil Tzilchato. seems to be what we call migraine headache. Ashley says it's keev a headache on half the head. But I think it is a migraine. Spice spices any amount on a banana. You take out something that is malodorous. Even the smallest amount. koshu Aromatic oil is also a kosho. The purple wool or purple dye koshu is any amount. And a petal of a young rose. One petal of a young rose also is a kosho. It's interesting over here on the side. You can see the Misora Tashans brings down other alternatives to what this Betula vered is. It says one of them is a Shushan Satum. It's a closed rose, so as opposed to an open rose or a petal of a single rose, it's a closed rose. Or the Rabbeinu Haigon Hayashone Tilata Vered She'osim Mitzemer It's the Wifin Savuak Min Vered that is colored like a rose. V'Kori Vered, and then we call it a Vered. So it's a I don't know if you want to call it artificial rose but it's really a wick that was made out of cotton, but they colored it like the rose, and therefore it got the name or the nickname, the rose, and that's what maybe it's referring to over here. So here are some alternatives as to what this is. Now, in all of these cases, the items are even the smallest amount. Janala to carry the Re'ach Ra, as Rashi says, that you use it, smoke out the sick people, or the children, to get rid of the evil spirits that are there. So this bad smell, even the smallest amount is used to remove these evil spirits. The argaman. argaman. The coloring for the argaman. And Taim Eloi parish, Rashi says that it's not to explain why. That this is even the smallest amount. And he says, hu That it also has a pleasant aroma to it. And it's used in that way. Could be that it was very expensive. Just like Tehill, was extremely expensive. Argaman was also expensive. Turns out, from what we've figured out from the archaeology today, they're actually made from the same material, the argaman and the tehillet. It has to do whether it's put in the sun. If it's put in the sun, it turns blue and makes the tehillet. If it's not, it remains purple. And so it's just as rare as tehillet, so maybe that's why it was considered to be something even a koshu. And again, the betulat avaret, I assume, is either for beauty, you know, rose petals, or for smell, and therefore each of these is considered to be significant. Minimate koshen metals even the smallest amount. What is that for? To make from it a small goad. You would put it at the tip of the goad to make something either a spur or at the top of the goad. You need a little metal to put on the tip when you are goading the animal so that it'll be strong. So that'll be a metallic tip to it. So that's why even the smallest amount of metal is considered to be significant. Taraban. Homer Arai Alai Barzel. Person who says or promises to Hekdesh that he's gonna bring Barzel iron. Karim Omim, You may not bring less than one by one Amah. My Well, why would you bring one on one amah? What is significant or why is that considered to be the right amount to bring? It's if It's to shoe off. The pigeons. The proper translation of orev is talking about a crow or a raven. Orev is a raven, but the more likely scenario is that they were talking about the pigeons, who are the much more pesty and cause problems in terms of roosting. I don't think that the ravens were as difficult or as many to deal with. That you can't bring less than the pigeon spikes. And what was the pigeon spikes? by One which is what was placed on top of the Heichau, on the Heichau building. They used to have spikes to keep the pigeons from roosting on top of the Heichau. And they were, born to many, shaped like triangles. They were shaped like this to come to a point. A lot of the pigeons there, there are others who think that there are actually spikes up there, that kept away the pigeons from roosting on top of the Heichau. There is an argument Tosafot brings over here in short, though it's much more extensive in Arachin and other places, that those that argue that in the Mikdash Rishon, because of the Kedushah, they did not need the Kal Yorav. Kali was only needed in the second Beit Migdash when the Shechina was not present in the Heichal, and therefore it did not scare away the pigeons, and they needed some physical device to get away the pigeons, whereas in the Mikdash Rishon, because the Shechina was present, that kedusha kept away the pigeons. The Tosavot rejects it, veleta, and he brings proof to the fact that even in Migdash Rishon, it seems that there was a Kaliol rape that they did have it even in Migdash Rishon, and that it did exist to keep the pigeons away. Nechosheth comes to copper, lo mi mimaa kesef. By copper, you may not bring less than a silver coin's worth. This is a little strange, as Tosavot notes, I mean, Rashi and Tosavot explained the same way, that you bring copper the size of a silver coin, a silver ma'a. But the problem is that there was a copper coin at the time, which was a pruta. So why did the Gemara, and that's what Toswad asked, he does. I don't really understand, they should have just said pruta. It would have been a lot easier to deal with, because there is a copper-sized coin, and that would have made more sense. You shouldn't bring less than a small pipe's worth of nekhoshit of copper. What is that useful for? Amar Abaye she ba'at nerot. It's a type of fork, as Rashi says, mazleg katan, which they use to scrape out or clean out the tilot, the wicks. And the nerot, which are the lamps themselves, they use this tinora to scrape it out or to take out the ashes, the oil and the wicks that were inside of it. Makak Sfarim umakak The Dust that is created by the decay from the sfarim and the covers. I'm reviewed the. Macc this makak, which actually is a worm that eats the books. This de deshirai, the worm that eats silk, the Ilah, the envi, and the worm that eats the grapes. upa teine. and the worm that eats the figs, veha rimone. and the worm that eats the pomegranates. Kulu saccanto. All of them are dangerous. Now, they're all the same type of thing, which is that they are some sort of parasite or pest that lives inside of these items. It lives off of them. It eats them, these worms. These are just different ways to express it depending on the fruit or the item that they're found in. So it's a similar item. As Rashi says, they're all tolat. They're all worms that are inside of them. They just have a different name based on what they are eating. All of them are dangerous to eat. <speaking in Hebrew> there was this Talmud who was sitting in front of Yochanan. He was eating figs. <speaking in Hebrew> he says there are thorns inside of the figs. <speaking in Hebrew> the Pa is about to kill this young student, meaning that he had swallowed the figs with this worm inside of it. And then the, what he felt in his throat was the worms Eating into his uh, throat or causing some sort of damage inside of him, therefore he thought that he was going to die from it, and that's what the Gemara is noting here. That these are all these worms are all dangerous to ingest. All right, Mishnah Amutzi Kupat Haruchlim. Someone who takes out a spice tray, minim Harbei He's only chayav one chatat. So even though you have a spice tray that has multiple bowls of spices in it. When you carry it out, it's only considered to be one carrying. Tosephot already raises the issue and says, doesn't understand what the chidosh of the Mishnah is. and You know, if you carry out once, then carry it again. You only have one if it's in one halam, if it's in one forgetting. If you're carrying in one forgetting, it should be relevant how many items you are carrying out. So why does it matter that this is classified as a single item, this tray of spices that it's considered to be one or seven. Makes no difference because if it's done in one forgetting, you're only going to bring one khatat, no matter how many violations that you have over here. So he says, I'm not exactly sure what the chiddush is. He says, The answer is that he figured out. He carried out this spice tray with a number of bowls in it. And they told him about this one. He took out this part. And he brought his korban. And then he finds out about another spice that he had on the tray. It's considered to be one thing. So what we had saw before in the Gemara, and this isn't so simple. We saw before in the Gemara what creates a chiluk chataot. What divides up for chataot. Is knowledge enough to divide up the chataot if you find out that you did something wrong? and you already separated a chatat, or if you know about that, you need to separate a chatat. What causes division? We had a machlok at and earlier in the Mosefta about this. So Rebbeinu Tam says that's what this Mishnah is coming to negate, that no matter what, over here, even when you find out after the fact, about these not all together, but you find out about them individually and you already brought your chatat, the one chatat will cover everything, because there was only one violation here, not multiple violations. Whereas the re doesn't like it as much, and he said he found in the Yerushalmi, <speaking> in <Hebrew> that Yerushalmi says that this mission is coming to negate the position of Rabbi Lazar. Rabbi Lazar says, and we had this earlier, that different species, different types are considered automatically different halamot, different forgettings. If you had two types of meats you ate, or the chelub was cooked in different ways, he said that that was considered to be different violations. We saw that earlier again in the Masechta. So this is coming to negate that opinion here. So just because you have multiple spices over here, that's not automatically making you into multiple hataot, or multiple forgettings. So that's how the re-explains it. In order to come up with something of why it's relevant that this is considered to be one, and not multiple spices over here. Zaruinegina. These are seeds for the garden. Pachot mi It's a little less than a krogeret. Less than a fig size. Abiudan b'te romer. Abiudan says, That you have to take out five seeds. In order for it to be significant, you have to take out five seeds. Zera kishuim. If you take out seeds for zucchini, Shnaim. Two is enough. Zera diluim. Seeds for gourds. shnayim, Two is enough. Zera Pula Mitzri, shnayim. For Pula Mitzri, it's also two seeds. These are the same items that were mentioned. I don't know if you remember, we brought from the Mishnah in Kilaim. Kishulim, Diluim, and Pula Mitzri. They're considered to be significant plants. They spread heavily. Right, so they are you only need two seeds, because they're already significant enough that two seeds would be enough to plant. Whereas any other zarunei gina would require five seeds before they are considered to be significant. Just to note, what says over here, the seeds that we're talking about here is either otam shemru'im l'nitiyah, seeds that normally are planted, or Inami Klomar makom shurigim in a place that they normally plant seeds. And you normally would assume, if you have no other mind set about them, you don't think anything else about them, then you would naturally plant these seeds. So you carry them out. But if you take out one seed and intend to plant it, you're going to be chayav. Because you made it chashuv by taking out the single seed and saying I'm going to plant it, then we know it's chashuv. We're going to see that later in the Gemara. So here it has to be in a case where he just takes out the seeds without any specific intent because the nature of these seeds is to plant them or in that location they normally plant the seeds you'll be defined by planting of seeds. And what do people normally plant? They plant two seeds of this, five seeds of that, whatever the amount is. But if you have specific intent and you're taking it out to plant it, even if you want to take out one and you intend to plant it, it's already significant for you. Chagav chay tohor. We're talking about a locust that is alive, grasshopper, locust that's alive, that's tohor, that is kosher to eat. Kosher, any amount. Mate. If it's dead, kru Then it's the size of a gogeret, which is food, like normal food. We'll see why the difference between alive and dead in a second. Tziparet So again, this is a species of locust. Ben Chaya, Ben Meita. Whether it's alive or dead, kosher. Even the smallest amount. Shmatznino Because they used it for medicinal reasons. So over there, it's not governed by normal eating. Even though it's a kosher to eat. Nevertheless, what's go- governing over here is the fact that it's used for medicinal reasons. And therefore, even the smallest amount is considered to be significant. Whether alive Or dead. Even if you take out a live grasshopper, locust, that is not kosher, kosher, the amount is any amount, because they put them away for kids to play with. These were the toys of their day. So the toys of the day, you bring your kid a little grasshopper, a little locust to play with. So Rabbi Yehuda says, that's even true by non-kosher locusts. On the other hand, the Tanakh says it's only true by... Kosher locusts. And that's why they both said kosher, buy that which is chai, that which is alive. But it's alive and it's a toy, any amount, because it's useful to give to the kids. Zebel hadak. When you take out dung or sand, very fine sand, the kelach shel kruv, the amount you have to take out is the amount to fertilize a single stalk of kruv, Deberi Kiva. The amount to fertilize a leak. But what do you see here? That even a single growth, a single item is considered significant. In the mixture, you're talking about you have to take out a little less than a it worth of seeds, five seeds, two seeds. Well, here we see that even a single stalk of an item is considered to be significant. So if that's the case, then even one seed should be considered significant. So Mara says, wait, there's a big difference depends if it's already planted and growing, versus if you're going to plant. Nobody takes out a single seed to plant. When you take out seeds, you take out multiple seeds to plant, whether it's two, five, or even more than that. You take out at least a minimum of two seeds, but even more, because nobody just plants one seed. You don't know what's going to come up. You don't know what's going to take. Whereas once an item is already taken and growing then even a single stalk is considered to be significant. And therefore, if you take out fertilizer to fertilize a single stalk, that is considered to be already significant. So there's a big difference between seeding and dealing with something that's already growing. Zera kishuin, tanra banan. garinim, a person who takes out pits. Now, Rashi says the garinim we're speaking about here are date pits. So if you're taking out date pits to plant them, two is considered to be the amount. That is significant. Imleachilah, if it's for feed, it's like the amount that would fit into the mouth of a pig. What does that mean? Achat. That's one. So one is enough to stick in the mouth of the pig. So what it points out over here, we're talking about to give to a non-Jew or to sell to him because there is a restriction against raising pigs in Eretz Israel. So if we're talking about raising pigs here, we're talking about by someone who can raise pigs. And therefore, you're giving it to them or selling it to them. If you're using it to fire up the oven, then it should be significant enough that you can cook a chicken's egg with it, like we've seen with other types of firewood until now in Kindling. If it's going to be used as a calculator, then you use it two, and a minimum of five. Nobody forgets two, but once you hit five, people start to forget, and they start to use these date seeds to remind them or to keep track of how many they sold or how much money they owe. And this was early days their way of tracking or representing. I don't call them today, they use maybe poker chips. They use something that represents the amount that the person owes or is taking out a number of an item. And so they use that, these seeds, as representing whatever those numbers were. <inaudible> Someone takes out two hairs from the tail of a horse, mizanava <inaudible> para. The tail of a cow, chayav. <laughs> then you chayav, why? otan, Because they put them away for snares, in order to use them in making the nets or snares to capture birds. Makshesh chazir the stiff bristles of a pig, achat, one is considered to be significant. Tsure hadekel the bands of the palm tree, two of them are considered significant. Torei Dekel, I don't know how to pronounce it, whether it's fillet or fillets of the palm tree, achat. One is considered to be significant. Over here, Rashi explains what they do with these, the hairs or the stiff bristles of the pig. They use those. It's interesting. He uses it, the shoemaker uses it to put at the top of his string. So he uses it as a, either it's good for, like a needle, to stitch for the shoemaker, or the other possibility is for the shoelaces, like today we have those plastic tops to the shoelaces that make it hard, so you could thread the shoelaces through, that he used this, this stiff bristle was the way that they threaded the shoelaces in. So that's one the possibility of what those were used for. And Rashi says the Tsure decal, these bands around the decal, the bark of the decal are used for making baskets. So that's what those are used for. So therefore, two are significant. And to make, Rashi says, shtay the same day that we, in a weave, it would refer to two batay nirim. It means taking like this, you know, a weave that makes a square, basically. Two batay nirim in the weave, so too with the basket. You would need enough. So it really wouldn't be two bands. Two bands would give you sufficient material to make a square. That would be the beginning of the bate nirim. And the torii dekel Actually, says they're daki they're thinner, narrower than the bands. He says I have no idea what they use them for. And the misora tashatz brings from the Oruch that they use them to chazli tfor p They use them to stitch up the mouth of the gourds. I don't know if it's like the pumpkin tops to put them back on or stuffed pumpkin, stuffed gourds. They stitch back on the tops. I'm not exactly sure what that was used for, but that's what he says that they possibly used them for. Ciporet Akramim Ben Khaya Bemeta Koshu My ciporet Kramim. What is this Tsipurat Akramim? Amarav Palia Biare, the searcher of the forests, but it's a type of or species of locust. Amrabay Umishtakah Bdikla the chad navara, It's found in the palm trees that are covered on one side, la Du chukma and they use it for wisdom, considered to be beneficial for wisdom the di Upaga de So now he eats it's not clear here how to read this. I, I, I would have read it, that he eats the right side of the locust. Upaga And then the left side he places in this tube of copper. And then he seals it with sixty seals. Again, that's not literal, that means figurative, that he seals it well. The small, and then he hangs it on his left arm. Okay, anything they want to store, they put into copper or lead tubes, and they seal it with 60 seals. Anything they want it to store, make sure that it didn't get lost. So, and, you, and then you wear it on your left arm. So remember, it has, the wisdom is in the right. So you eat the right side, and then you put the left side on your arm. Then you gather as much wisdom as you want. The gummer commit the bite and learn as much as you want. And then you eat the left half. That's why you gotta store it. Well, the ilo, miakir tamudo. Because if you don't eat the left half, then you're gonna forget everything you gain from the right half that you ate. So I read it the way that I thought it would read. There are others that translate it that you eat palga de amino, palga de smole, that you eat half of the right and half of the left, and then the remaining halves you put into the tube. But I think it reads simpler to say that he eats the right half and then he stores the left half until later. Again, this was seem to be beneficial for memory. It was a memory aid of some sort. the mayor? afa motzi. What's the machol here? It's in in the Tanaka But Tanakamos Amo is That that They don't give non-kosher locusts to the kids to play with. My Taimah, don't because he might eat it. Marsezi, says nami. If you're afraid he's going to eat it, then even a kosher locust is a problem. Tab drav, ka'an, avakam kamei drav. Ka'an was sitting before rav, Avakam aver shushiba apume. He was moving the shushiba, which was a type of locust, on his lips. Moving it back and forth.,, take that away from your mouth. maybe you're getting a little massage in your lips from the locust, but make sure you don't eat it. We don't want people to think you're eating it. which would be something that is disgusting, something that you're not allowed to do. One may not eat a live locust. So even though locusts, as Tosu points out over here and Rashi point out here, they do not require shita. There is no requirement of Shechita. There is a requirement that they be dead when you eat them. You can't have them be alive when you eat them because you're in violation about the shaksu, something that is considered to be disgusting or inappropriate to eat. On the other hand, because there is no restriction against that, and there's no Abra Minachai, if you actually pluck off a limb from a live locust, you can eat that limb, because now it's severed from the live animal, and it's not considered to be a problem about the shaksu anymore. The source for that who brings down here the two possible sources of it. He says, because it's written, Chagavim achardagim, the locusts are written after the fish, that just like fish do not require shkita, so too the Chagavim do not need shechita. The other possibility of a source is our Gemara right here, which is that they may not read shkita, but here our Gemara says that you can't eat them live because of baltashaksu, but the implications from the Gemara, if they're dead, then it's not a problem. I mean, there's no requirement of Shekita to get there. You just have to remove the Easter of Baal Tishaksu. What's the town I am afraid of? That he might die. His friend here, his little toy will die. And he'll pop in his mouth and he'll eat it. If his little friend here dies, he's not going to eat it. He's going to be mourning over it. He's going to have feelings of sorrow for this little friend he has over here. And he's, of course, not going to put it in his mouth. So therefore, if Yuda believes you can give a kosher and non-kosher locust to the child to play with, because we're not afraid of him eating it, because he's playing with it as a toy. If it dies, he's going to be upset about it, he's not going to eat it. On the other hand, the Tanagama believes that it's true, while they're alive, they don't eat them. But once they die, they do have this netiyah, they know that it's food, they might pop it in their mouth, and therefore they should only give them kosher locusts to play with, not non-kosher locusts to play with. And therefore the difference in the size will be what you for on Shabbat. According to the Tanakama, you're only chayven a kosher when you're talking about a kosher locust, because that's what you would give to a kid to play with. Non-kosher locusts are not useful. If they're not useful, then you have to come up with a size that's considered to be useful, whether it's a krugeret for okhel for somebody else who's non-kosher, whatever that size is, but it's not going to be a kosher. If you believes that even a non-kosher locust it's used as a toy, and therefore it also has this same significance in a koshu, because it can be given to a child to play with. Again, the next parrach. the next begins: The next perech begins, Someone who puts something away for seating, as a sample, or for medicinal reasons, And he takes that on Shabbat, b'koshu. It's He put it away for that reason, even though that may not be the main reason or primary reason this item is usually utilized for, but he specifically put it away for that reason, then if he takes it out on Shabbat, it's chayav. anybody else who takes it out, chayav elakishi uro. Anybody else, is only chayav based on what normal people would take out with regards to this item. By storing it for medicinal reasons, he gives it significance, even though that's not the normal utility for this item. So because he gave it significance, now if he carries it, he's going to be chayav, because he gave it significance. But anybody else who interacts with it, will not be governed by his decision to make it into medicine, or his decision to make it into a sample or a seed. That if he carries that shiur out, then it'll be chatzi shiur. Consider less than a shiur, it'll be a suur, but not chaya vechatat. He would have to carry out whatever the standard shiur is for that item, in order to be chaya vechatat. Chazar v'yich enu chaya velek This individual who took it out already and then brings it back in, then he's only going to be chayav on the regular size once he brings it back in. Because when he brings it back in, Nimla alav shalom bitel He takes it out to plant it, and then he changes his mind and he brings it back in. Once he brings it back in, then he defaults to the normal standard of shiur for this item. Because he's no longer using it for this smaller shiur, for the significance that he gave it. So when he takes it out, it'll be chayav on that. But if he, if he changes his mind and brings it back in, then it will be governed by the normal shiurim that everybody else is governed by. As Tosfoy points out here, he's not sure exactly why this Mishnah is here and what the significance of this Mishnah is. Says, we already saw this in Perek Godol that she'enu kasheh le'atzniya, enu chayav something that normally is not put away or stored at this level or this size, the only one who's chayab is the one who stores it. So you already had a mishnah like this. He's not exactly sure what the mission is adding over here. There are others who try to give significance to this. I think to be the mission is just laying out the principle again, which is that significance can be determined by a single individual. It could be subjective rather than objective in terms of attaining significance. On his way out, I don't think the Gemara is saying that if he returns it back, that he's not chayav for the taking out. The taking out is chayyav because his, yeah, his intent when he took it out was for that... Amount and therefore it was significant to him on the way out. He intended to carry it from here to there. He did what he intended to do. So he should be chayav. Just now when he changed his mind on the way back in, he's changed what is considered to be significant. Two separate, oh, so separate. Two separate violations. Yeah, that's how I would look at it. Why does it say Hamatsniya? He put it away. Just say litne hamutzi. Why do you have to store it to give it significance? If you carry it out, you give it significance. Mean that if you carry the seed out to plant it, you've given it significance. Why do you have to store the seed first and then carry it out in order to give it significance? Why does the mission use the term tzniyah instead of amutsi? So Gagon lama itzniyo. It's a case here where he stored it, but he forgot why he stored it. And now he's just taking it out without thinking about it. He starts to take it out. What I thought betule betala makshavato that we erase his original because he forgot about it. Unless he has active he has active thoughts to negate what his original intent was he's still governed by his original intent. So if he stored it for a specific reason and carries it out afterwards without thinking about it his carrying out will be governed by the original storing that he did. Even though now he doesn't remember exactly why he stored it but because he originally had intent and now he doesn't have anything to undermine that intent He'll be governed by that original intent of why he stored it, and so that's the significance of the Mishnah of Hamatznia. Hamatznia will tell us what the shiur is for Hamotzi, even though now when he's taking it out, he doesn't remember why he put it away. <laughs> The Rabbi Meir would mean Michael, even if you took out a single seed, a wheat seed, a kernel, for planting. My says That's what our mission says, any amount. So Mama I would have thought, I would have I would have thought that Koshu comes to say, we're not using the normal shear for food items, which is a grogaret, a fig size. So Koshu means just less than a grogaret. doesn't mean really a Koshu. One comes Rabbi Meir, to say, no, 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 it means a real Koshu. Well, think maybe you'd have to have a minimum shear like a kazite, Other shiurim that we see in the Torah, you'd have to go down. What it means is, if you say kosher, it means drop down from Kuvara to the next level down. What's the next level down? Kazayit. So that's Kamash Malon that that's not the case. Mat Rav Yitzchak, greater Rav So now he raises a question. El me'ato. if that's true, Chishiv L'Otzi Ad Kol He intends to take out his entire house. Not just one item now. So He wants to take his whole house out. And it's only considered significant to him if he takes all the possessions of his house out. So there, what are we going to say? So here he's not going to be Khayab until he takes out the entire house. So the question here is, who's this question on? Rashi claims that the question is an abayi. Abayi says that everything is governed by your original intent. So that's what the question here is. If we're governed by original intent, over here his intent is to take out the entire house. So that should only be significant once he takes out the entire house. That's the way Rashi reads the question. The Tosafot says that he doesn't think that's right, because otherwise why the Gemara wait until here to ask an abayi? should have asked earlier on abayi. But rather, this is a question, Rab Porat, in the name of their Beinu Shmuel. The Rashbam says that this is on Rab Yehuda, his father. That, Mataka Varitska Braj Yehuda is asking on his father Rav Yehuda, just quoted. Rabbi Yehuda, you see that it's subjective. So subjective thoughts can change whether something is considered a or not. So if that's the case, this person here also thinks it's only khashub. He takes out his whole house. So, so over there, he shall only be chayev after he takes out his whole house. So, Mar says, Over there, we say that we negate his thought to what the standard of normal people is. What's interesting here is that we only say that in one direction. When it's above the standard shiur that people use, the standard objective shiur that people use, then we're going to say, This guy is strange. This guy's off his rocker. He thinks it's only significant if he gets to that level. Everybody else thinks it's significant at this level. So since his Shi'ur exceeds what is normal, there we say, B'tela dato etzel kol adam. That his thoughts are negated towards what is considered the primary utility of this item, what most normal people would do with this item. And so therefore, the maximum Shi'ur that you can have for an item, is what the normal standard is. Whereas, if you give significance to something that is a smaller Shi'ur than that is normal, there we do not say, B'tela dato etzel kol adam. There we say, you gave it significant, you are ach and therefore you can drop the shiur down. So what ends up turning out here is that the way to phrase it is, that you're Khayab for the lesser of, the standard shiur, and what you consider to be significant. So whichever is the lower shiur, then you'll be Khayab for. If the standard shiur is less, then that will govern, and we'll say, b'te'le adam. If your shiur, the akshavit, what you consider to be significant, is less than the standard shiur, that will govern. So it's the lesser of the two. The lesser of what you consider to be significant and the standard shiur, that will govern what is considered to be chashuv when you carry it out. Again, that's only for you. That's subjective. That's for you. For anybody else who carries it out, they'll still be governed by the standard shiurim, because they don't consider this to be significant. Your making it significant cannot Make it significant for That's subjective. That doesn't change the objective standard for anybody else. Okay, we'll stop over here.